0: Hey, it's sparky 5 for 55 past the hour here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Time to talk with our guy, Tim Dillard, as we broadcast from the Wendy Studios. You probably had some sort of flavored cream cold brew by now because, well, they're delicious. But Frosty has just entered the chat. It's about to shake up the world of cold brews just like it did desserts. Available in vanilla, caramel, and chocolate. Wendy's new Frosty Cream Cold Brew is a morning maker. Puts other post-lunch pick-me-ups down and down bad. Right, Frosty Cream cold brew today and a participating Wendy's. Tim Dillard, you can follow him on Twitter at Dim Tillard, part of the Brewers Unfiltered podcast with Sophia Mindert and Adam McKelvey. Tim, what's on this week's edition?
1: We're sitting down with a one CC Sabathia uh, tomorrow. So I think we're going to have a little bit of a delayed uh, release of the next episode. But yeah, he's being uh, honored at... Uh, American Family Field, and we sat. We're going to sit down with him tomorrow, I think, early in the morning, and just you know talk about him. Which I mean, he's awesome, great teammate, exceptional player, uh, and just a big name in this game. And and he's he's something
0: special. Uh, he was definitely something special. I remember when that trade was going down, and the report broke. We were doing our show, the big show, uh, at Summerfest, and everybody was gathered around our tent as we were announcing the details as it was coming through. And the run that he got on uh after getting acquired by the Brewers and the CC chance and the Sabathia jersey shirt sales just flying, I mean, they were flying off the shelves. Um, I, I just I don't think we'll ever see anything like it. It was almost like an immortal run all the way down to the end of the year, and he's pitching every three days, knowing he's going into free agency, and if he gets hurt, he's gonna screw himself over, but doing everything he could to try and help that that Brewers team break that long playoff drought.
1: Yeah, and what he did was basically set the bar for any time there was a trade, right? Right. (laughs) Like, anybody that's trade now is like, well, why aren't you C.C. Sabathia? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, you know, and rightfully so. Like, he, what he did was exceptional, and humans just, you know, they don't do that anyway, but much less going to a new team. So, um, it's going to be pretty amazing just to kind of hear him and his perspective and what he went through. And um, what I always remember uh, is is just kind of – when he came in, he was immediately like, we're going to do this. Like that was his mindset. It was like, it's going to happen. I don't care what I have to do. We're going to do it. Um, and that self-sacrifice is, is, you know, maybe you don't see that all the time in baseball. And, um, it was refreshing and cool. And he was willing to reach out and talk to everybody. Even a guy that was like me who, I, this is pre-beard, right? I didn't have a beard. I was young buck. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then here's a guy that's like a, a superstar and suddenly you're getting, um, you know, you're getting a Christmas card from him and his family every oh. year. So like that kind of stuff is, is just, it's not normal. Nothing about him is normal. It's elite and it's awesome. And hopefully we could share that, uh, on the podcast this week.
0: I remember being in the clubhouse towards the end of that year and he had come off a big performance the night before or something. And He came walking in. And I think it was Fielder and maybe a couple other guys started making the the sounds of a truck backing up, like beep beep beep. And so Matthews like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Don't you hear the Brinks truck backing up for you next year or whatever?" And everybody started laughing uh, because of how much he was about to get paid for just how crazy good he was. And obviously, the Bruce get to the playoffs um, and, and then lose. But I mean, do you remember that? I don't know. If, I don't remember if you were were you part of that Summerfest deal uh, after. They clinched to get to the playoffs, and they had that whole big Summerfest party before the playoffs even started. I'm pretty sure we're the only city in the country that throws parties before the postseason even starts.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was there. But just like you, you know, like, there's a lot of people don't remember I was part of it.
0: <laughs> well, there were so many people. Like I, we did our yeah. show there, and they brought back Yount. I remember wasn't Yount on Swain's bench that year. I want to say, um, so Yount was there, and yeah, I just thought the whole thing was nuts as it was. I was like, we're throwing a party, They haven't even played a playoff game yet, but it was such a big deal, and everybody wanted to celebrate and party, and that, that and then Ned getting fired towards the end of that year too for Dale. That that whole thing was crazy.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was my first time, so I didn't know anything like that wasn't abnormal you know like i thought this was this is what you do right you you make playoffs you celebrate it like i thought that was normal that's all we knew right um no i mean that's you know however you do it playoffs are great you want to celebrate it you know before during after it doesn't matter it's it's such a tough game it's such a tough life these people sacrifice so much um of just you know they're not they're they're compensated sure but um, anybody can just kind of get compensated and go and go through the motions, uh, but there's sometimes you can put together a team and a group of people uh, that do more than that. You know, they do more than the bare minimum and they do something pretty special. And I think that's what you see with playoff teams. So, yeah, it is exceptional and you should celebrate it. So, yeah, I never really thought about it, but I guess yeah, that's not a lot of teams maybe do a pre, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, a pre let's start a game in the postseason type party. But uh, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, it was fun. We had a great time. I'll never forget it. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about the the current Brewers team uh, and live in the present a little bit. Uh, Against the Dodgers, I think Wade Miley put it perfectly. The the ball had a GPS on it. It was just finding its way wherever it could, uh, and luck was kind of against the Brewers. And the exact opposite thing kind of happened uh, against the Rangers, now they get that sweep and get ready for Minnesota uh, and the Brewers. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna say it was a much needed sweep or anything like that, but coming off that Dodgers series, it's nice to come back, regain those three games you just lost, uh, and the record, I guess, and, and getting ready to take on the Twins now.
1: Yeah, we'll back up a little bit too. They're six and three. They swept the White Sox before right. that, and anytime you get a sweep, it doesn't matter who you're facing. You get a sweep, that's just that just shows like, hey, we made adjustments throughout the, the series because you know the pitchers. That are up and, you know, that are going to throw or making adjustments. The defense is making adjustments, the hitters. And for you to get a sweep of a major league team is a big deal. So they sweep the White Sox and then LA. I don't think the Brewers really did anything different. I thought the pitching was good uh, and they were hitting the ball hard. They were hitting the ball pretty much where they've been hitting the ball all year, except there was a Dodger standing there. And then when the Dodgers were up at the plate, they were just hitting the ball where nobody was. Adrian Hauser's game in particular, I was ready to rip the chair out from under me and chunk it into the stands from the press box because i was just like how are we in i don't know what it is august and we just still don't have anybody playing uh where they should be for adrian hauser and i've seen this over and over again i just you know for whatever reason that was very i was very passionate uh just because there was so many ground ball base hits that were costly and so a bunch of paper cuts ended up and the brewers lost and so then you fast forward you're like all right well here come the rangers and they play some good games and then Here comes Adrian Hauser again. I'm thinking, please let them make an adjustment. And they did. They were playing in a little bit different arrangement. uh, And the balls that were hit were going at somebody. And to me, that was the only difference. I was actually talking to a Brewers person. I don't want to say who it was, but, you know, somebody was like, you know, what what do we do after the Dodgers series? I was like, we need to leave town. Like, (laughs) you need to leave town. You hit the reset button, but at the same time, you don't do anything different. The Brewers hit the ball very well. It was just right at somebody. So what do they do? They do the exact same thing except it's no one standing there in Texas. So Arlington uh, were, didn't have the people in the right spots, and that's all it was. And the Brewers are playing some good baseball. Um, it, they just ran into some good
0: defense in L.A. I want to rewind to what you said about defensively behind Hauser. W- what do you mean as far as not lining up maybe properly behind Hauser?
1: Well, I so if you're shifting small shifts, it doesn't have to be a big shift. And I know they have restrictions this year. You have to have two guys on either side of second base. I get right. all that. Yep. And I think that's helped him, and I think it'll continue to help him, uh, because the huge, crazy shifts I never thought I really did much for him, uh, but he should probably have about 15 to 20 double plays on the season. He should be leading all of baseball and balls, you know, on the ground, grounding into double plays as a pitcher, and um, it's just not there. You know, I think he has seven or eight maybe, and it should be way more than that because he's gotten ground ball after ground ball after ground ball that should be a double play after giving up, you know, a little dinker single. Um, and the way everyone's positioned. And to me it goes back to I don't know why they're shifting him like they would shift Burns or Shift Woodruff or shift Miley. You've got to shift him very special, just because he needs his double play. That's part of his game. And as soon as they realize that and he's gonna get double plays through the roof, uh he'll start pitching nine inning shutouts. Like that kind of stuff. Maybe not shut out. I mean, he'll give up the occasional run. But that's how he's one or two pitches away, one or two ground balls away from doing something pretty special. Like if Hauser was on the Dodgers and the way they align their guys defensively according to their pitcher, um, his his numbers would be outstanding. That's what I see. I could be way wrong. I've been wrong a lot. I just talked to my wife, she says I'm wrong a lot. And you know, but that's how I feel. That's what I see. My experience has told me that, and I'm just kind of waiting around for someone else to kind of see it. Um, and and push that forward.
0: So, average person, average brewer fan listening to this interview right now is going, "Dude, just go talk to council. You're with the team. Just go tell council what What do you think he should do?" That that's the obvious response from a brewer fan, I think.
1: Well, that's just an opinion, right? And the, the, there's tons of Twitter accounts and and Facebook and all You're that not stuff them. Of, uh, of of opinions on what the Brewers should do, or the Reds, or the Pirates, or the Yankees. Like, there, everyone's allowed to their opinion. That's just mine personally. And I see that just because I was a similar type pitcher. I was a sinker guy, and I got ground balls. And when we shifted a ton, it didn't help me. And I came up, you know, I would come into a game after a a Josh Hader. So Josh Hader pitches, and he's throwing 97 from the left side, and we're playing a defense a certain way. And then I would pitch. This is in triple it. And then I would pitch, and we're playing the defense the exact same way. And it wasn't until I kind of fought for my voice to be heard uh, that I got some defense change, and then suddenly I get, you know, a whole bunch of double plays which I want. If you're a secret baller that pitches a contact, you need your double plays. And, you know, you need that lead guy out. You may not always get the double play, but you need the guy on second out. And to to get one out because you shifted and the guy's on second base, you count that as a win because you got an out. It's not the case. That's why I was saying before the season with the shift restrictions, um, I got this guy doing something pretty amazing. And I think we're starting to see it. I think for whatever reason, I think they're starting to play a little bit different. It would have went way better in Texas, even though it went phenomenal. Um, had they played a little bit more double play debt, uh, I think there could have been double play instead of a ground ball hit the center. But at the same time, right, they won the game. It's not a big deal. Uh, but everybody has an opinion. And that's just mine because I feel, you know, whatever. I feel emotionally attached to it because I can kind of see that that's the pitcher I wanted to be. And at one point I was and needed a little bit of help.
0: That's such good stuff. Not going to find this anywhere else. Uh, maybe Brewer's unfiltered, of course, because he's on that too. Uh, and, and of course, the Valley Sports Wisconsin broadcast. I just love doing these interviews every week. That's just so fascinating to me. Tim Dillard, follow him on Twitter, uh, at Dim Dillard. I have one last one for you because I, I know we've already talked for quite a bit. Uh, what about – Oh, my bad. What, what about – no, it's not your bad. What about Uribe – Kind of getting thrown into the fire, I feel a little bit from council, and I don't feel like this is something council normally does with young guys. But it it feels like he's kind of putting Uribe in as one of those key cogs at the end of ball games right now.
1: Well, I don't think it's feeling kind of. I think he is. Yeah. Um, Every every ideal. Every time you call up a guy, young guy from the bull, you know, from AAA, you put him in the bullpen, the big leagues, and you know, you want to ease him in. You do. Uh, The side effect, though, is the fact that. They haven't had very many games where he can go in and just be a non stressful situation where he can get experience. Every single game they play is close, right? Just ask everyone's heartbeat uh, every time the Brewers are playing. Every game's close, every game's exciting. So you don't have a really uh, a grace period there where you can put him in these blowouts. He just hasn't had but maybe one. So then you start putting him in these very critical roles. Hey, we're down two, we're down one, we're tied, we're up one. You know, here's the sixth inning, here's the eighth inning, here's the ninth inning, the tenth. Suddenly you're looking at a kid that hasn't been here, but you know, he's probably pitched in what, 20 games or less. And he's been, he's got more experience than a couple of people that maybe have been in the big leagues for like two years. I'm not saying specifically brewers, but there's been times I, w- I was in the big leagues for a long time and had a lot of different outings. And I wasn't in any kind of high leverage like that. Of course I didn't have a hundred mile an hour fastball or slider, but this is what we're seeing. We're seeing a just a crash course in experience to where, they bring him in to face one hitter, and he dominates him. Right? He comes in and has pitched multiple innings, dominates. Uh, pitch in the tenth. Pitch when nothing goes your way. That's what we saw. Uh, can't get a ball to go at anybody. How do you deal with that? How do you bounce back? So I just I said it on air the other day, uh, a few, few, uh, maybe three, three days ago, uh, just talking about applauding council and hook for how they've like handled him. They could have just said, you know what? We were not going to put him out there in that situation because he's not ready yet, but instead giving him the opportunity to succeed. And he has, uh, and at every corner, I know he had a bad, you know, an unfortunate game the other day. It didn't go his way. And what did they do? They throw him right back out there the next day. That's what good managers do. That's what good teams do. And what they've done with the rebate, uh, needs to be studied in, in baseball school.
0: Yeah. I, I think you're hundred percent right. Cause that dude is going to be unbelievably uh, okay. good because of the stuff that he has just the God-given talent that he has and when he harnesses it and is able to throw it more consistently he's going to be unbelievable
1: yeah it's, once you have that kind of ability then it's about experience and figuring out what to do in certain situations like you may be able to do everything on the mound, but there's stuff that goes on that's not on the mound. You know, how do you hold runners? What do you do in the ninth inning that you don't do in the sixth inning? And what do you do in the tenth inning when you got the ghost runner on second? There's a lot of different factors that go into just stuff. You can have great stuff uh, and get beat because other teams are outplaying you because there's other things that go on than just stuff on the mound. So that's what he's already gotten a crash course in. And you want to see how a guy responds? Well, this is how you respond. You come up every day thinking, I'm going to be the first guy up. And that's what I see in Abner Rebe.
0: He has Tim Dillard. Check him out. Brewers Unfiltered. Him, Sophia Minert, Adam McKelvey. Each and every week, they'll have CeCe Sabathia on later this week. You can download that over at uh, Brewers.com. Also on the Odyssey app. Uh, and, of course, every week we have Tim Dillard on. He's brought to you by Fourth Base Restaurant. Check him out online at Fourthbase.com, Known as a Steakhouse and Seafood Restaurant, as they put it, they offer a la carte menu style that allows the customers to customize each dish and entree the method. It's prepared, seasoned, and what sides it comes with. Offer a large deli case for customers to view and see the food available each day for order. The food is delicious. 5117 West National Avenue just steps away from American Family Field, and I know Tim goes there all the time. It's good stuff. the Make sure to check it out. Tim, we'll talk again next week.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure I was supposed to share the whole thing about CC Sabathia, so let's keep it under wraps between us until... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Until we announce. (laughs) Sounds good. Take care. There he is, Tim Dillard. Have a good one. Thanks, Parker.